This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pas pensé que c'est ton stand. This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's Temple Week on today's show. We are going to recap the 24-7 space game win against Memphis. We're going to preview the game in Philadelphia this weekend versus Conference Foe Temple. Talk a little conference realignment, conference outlook, maybe a path to the conference championship game. Who knows? little meanwhile to the West, and a little Knights versus Citronauts branding debate, and the return of the Fab Five. Stay tuned for that. As always, Money Moose Picks, Moose Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo UCF returned to the bounce house for the fifth annual space game, and it didn't take long for Mikey Keene to find Brandon Johnson in the end zone for 11 yards for the first watch, first score. Congratulations to at Farzone Dinesh for guessing Brandon Johnson and only being one yard off. Ryan O'Keefe led the offense with a rushing and receiving score, and the defense stepped up big against the potent offense of Memphis. Final score, UCF 24, Memphis 7. Great team win overall. Obviously, the defense looked great. Um, So let's backtrack right before the game maybe about an hour before we found out that Memphis's starting quarterback would not be playing and they were going to start the transfer guy who had never attempted a pass in college so that was good that obviously helped us what were your thoughts I remember you called me after I texted you about that well I immediately saw the spread move about three points fair enough it almost almost got to be money, a money move pick official pick but I didn't want to send anything out like way you know, yeah, that close to the game or anything. But anyway, no, I, you know, look, it it did look like a less than experienced quarterback, <laughs> I would say. However, you know, Memphis still is capable of running the ball. They have two really solid running backs, but for some reason, they kept trying to use Parrish for like throwing, and he looked like a mobile quarterback, which is our kryptonite. We can't defend at all. Yeah, but they just didn't use him to run. It, it made no sense whatsoever. I was worried when I found that out. Like I, I knew who the other guy was, and then you know I look up Peter Parrish. I'm like, all right, cool, mobile quarterback. Like this is probably going to be worse than the regular guy starting for us. And you know, at a time, I think it was on maybe their second drive when we thought we had him, uh, Cam Good. You know, had him wrapped up kind of for a sack, and then he scrambled for like a 17 yard first down. I was like, oh. This is what the whole game's going to be like. You know, same story, different week with mobile quarterbacks. But you're right. They didn't really use him as a dual threat. They kind of just forced him. I mean, he had 48 pass attempts, and it's not like Memphis was down that much. The game was never out of hand where they just had to start chucking it. So I think the D played good. Obviously, we had some, you know, lucky turnovers and some good ones. The muff punt, I mean, you know, two of those interceptions, they were in the red zone, and then the muff punt, you add that up, and we could have had a close game. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. It was a good win. Game was never really close, but it definitely could have been. But, you know, some people on on Twitter were like, oh, this doesn't count. We beat a team with a backup quarterback. Like, don't get ahead of us. I'm like, 
we are a team with a backup quarterback. So definitely a good team win. It was nice seeing kind of the breaks go our way. And, you know, I, I think we we just pounded the ball and we didn't really have to do anything else. We didn't ask Mikey to do too much. And uh, he had a decent game. Yeah, defense forcing those four turnovers, two of which... One special teams, but yeah. Like you said, we're in the red zone. Pretty crazy that both interceptions in the red zone came off of very weird deflections. The first one was the weirdest. The UCF guy was going to pick it, and he ran straight into the receiver running the route. He just got like pancaked, and the ball popped out weirdly sideways, uh, right? So I think it was Devad Wilson. And then the other one was a pass breakup. That was a little less weird, but the first one was like a pinball going around. I'm like, what happened? Because <laughs> we all thought it was just an incomplete pass, and the next thing you know, the guy's running the ball back. But yeah, defense played good. They got after the quarterback really well, which was awesome. Six sacks, including two from Big Cat. I remember just a few episodes ago, we were like, oh my God, when are we going to have a sack? It seems like a dime <laughs> a dozen this, uh, in this game. Held Memphis to their second lowest point total in matchup history. 2011, we actually dropped 41 on them. Would put a put a shutout on him too in 2011. I tried to look this up, but I couldn't figure out exactly when it was. I'm just gonna presume that it was 2015 because usually that goes back to whatever bad <laughs> stat I'm about to say. Always, but yep. 80 passing yards, probably low. That has to be the lowest pa- passing yards since 2015. But on the other hand, you know. Mikey didn't, didn't really need to, to throw the ball. Yeah. And what have I been saying in the past few weeks? We need to, to run, run the, ball. the ball. We finally ran the ball, and we won. Go figure. We did. Uh, I think Bowser, you know, 26 carries, 111 yards, 4.3 average. That's exactly what we expect him to do. But he, I think he looks, he looked a lot closer to 100% than he did last week. Yeah, I'm going to say 90. I think the game... Cincinnati game is maybe 50%. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. I talked with a coworker of mine who is an Auburn grad. He told me one thing that Auburn fans just really disliked about Gus. It was only one thing, and he said that he always plays players that aren't 100% ready to come back. Hmm. And he told me this before the Cincinnati game. Yeah. So then when I saw the Cincinnati game, I saw Bowser out there hobbling around. Gave it his all, but he just was not ready to come back. Now that's not a dig on Gus or anything. It just—it's just an observation. Yeah, that's tough because you know the players want to get back out there no matter what. The training staff—I mean, the only person that knows if the player is really ready is the player or the coach, kind of observing them in practice. So I don't know. You can't really simulate a full game situation, especially for a running back like Bowser. Like they're not going right 100%, or else he would just get banged up in practice. You saw pretty clearly that. Bowser was definitely closer to like 90% yeah. this game. And again, Bowser, he's not a back that's going to have those flashy, you know, 60, 70 yard runs like we're used to with a kill with an Adrian Killens or Otis Anderson. He's going to destroy your defense with those six yard runs again and again and again. And we saw it there in this game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, O'Keefe, man, he looks like the track star that, that we recruited. I mean, we give that man ball, the ball in space, and dude's just gone. I remember that was, I think, the third down play that we tried. We ran a touchdown four against Navy, tried again toward the end, and it just got gobbled up. But I see why we try and get, give him the ball in space because he's a playmaker, and, I mean, they just couldn't touch him. He was clearly faster than everyone else. Joey Gatewood, first touchdown pass of the season, two for two passing. Good to see him in the mix. Obviously, he's just like an unstoppable 
threat in the in the wild night. What did you think about the uh, I guess the the usage of Keenan Gatewood balance? Well, it was a sort of passing touchdown, little pop pass to it's a pass to O'Keefe. Um, I thought it was good. You know, I, I think unlike the Cincy game, he brought in Gatewood more or less in a normal amount. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that Keen was in any sort of like rhythm to where jo- they send in Joey to like knock him out of the rhythm. Yeah. I think he was used in the way that I, I would probably use him maybe five to seven plays a game. Yeah. I think he came- it goes forward 99% of the time. Always. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he always falls forward like a Cam Newton or something. And I would really like to see him on like a fourth and one to try and just, QB sneak up the middle. Yeah, or, that's or definitely. Like that. I would that's feel one thing that I think we're missing. I'd feel the most comfortable in any fourth down situation with him, you know, uh, behind there in the wild night. But no, to talk about usage. So after they muffed that punt, uh, Gatewood came out on first down from the twenty-seven, two handoffs to Bowser, and then the the pass to O'Keefe for the touchdown. But you're right; it wasn't like in the middle of a drive. Like that's just a momentum killer, you know. I get him out there in the beginning, run your package. Either, you know, get the first down or get some yards and either leave them in or take them out. But I don't think you can do it the opposite way, especially when we're driving down the field. Or it's like if you pull Mikey, like after, you know, first and second down, then it's not giving Gatewood a chance. Like you're not going to get anything on third and 10. They're going to know what's coming. So I I like the usage, the back and forth, not too much of anything. And uh, this offense is really fun to watch, man. I'll tell you what, you never know who's getting it. Everyone gets a touch, Uh, you know, just just a lot of fun. And I think we're going to keep getting better week to week, like I always say. And, you know, we could have Dylan back soon, too. I don't know if you saw, he posted on Instagram today. He's back throwing, practicing. I'm sure it's like non-contact. But I think it's been about six weeks, maybe five or six weeks since the injury. I know, you know, WebMD or whatever says like six to eight. Obviously, everyone's different. But that's about how long it takes for the calcium or something with the bones. And uh, But I do remember Aaron Rodgers back in like 2012 broke his and... I think he came back after like four. So we're in the area where he. I wouldn't be surprised if he was fully cleared to play. But also, do we really need him for Temple and Tulane? I know we probably wouldn't rush something like that because if he breaks it again, we're absolutely screwed. Um, well, I know we wouldn't. <laughs> However, I, I just, again, with the whole Bowser thing, I don't want Dylan to come back too early. Even if we could use him in, in the SMU game, of course, where he's missed in every game. Well, I think here's the thing. We've got Temple should be easy win. Tulane should be easy win. And if we can't win it without Dylan, then we just don't deserve to win the games anyway. But then we have a bye week. So that's we're going to be close to like 10 weeks, I think, coming up on SMU. I think the timing's perfect for a comeback. SMU, hopefully, I mean, they're ranked. Uh, they, they moved up to 19 now. Hopefully they don't lose. Actually, we need them to lose one other game to be in the conference mix. So that we need a lot of other stuff to happen, too. Um, but that would be good timing because that's probably the game we need him the most remaining on our schedule. So it's not up to us. So whatever happens, happens. But, and I don't know how this collarbone stuff works. Like, are you either just good to go or is there like an in-between? You know what I'm saying? I I don't know. I I would guess that like if you're 90%, you have to wait to a hundred if it's not fully healed and it's like a contact sport, probably not the safest thing, but I don't know if it's, you know, similar to the Bowser injury where obviously you using a lot of your knees yeah for me if i was a quarterback and i had you know that shoulder especially a throwing shoulder i'm gonna know like first couple plays if i can keep going or not yeah you know 
God forbid, take a sack or or something. That's what I'm saying. Like on edge. But like, game. can you tell from the X-ray? Like, oh, it's healed. That combined with the pain, I don't know what the medical diagnosis is, or is it just like a certain amount of time for it to heal? Who knows? We never will. We could probably speculate for a while and not be right. So whatever happens, happens. But definitely nice to see him back out on the practice field. Some other things from the game. The defense, like I said before, was kind of a bend but don't break. Uh, but it worked. You know, only gave up that first touchdown, and that, that was it. Shut up for the rest of the game. That touchdown drive was kind of helped by that stupid face mask penalty, but whatever. Um, I thought the DBs played really, really well. We saw a lot of nice pass breakups. Just being in the mix, like felt like for the last couple of weeks, guys were just always wide open. And again, I don't know if that's like a zone versus man thing or whatever, but we had some pass breakups, some guys in the mix. Definitely good good to see some improvement on the back end, which you figured had to happen, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I think Travis Williams is definitely growing as a defensive coordinator at UCF. Like you just said, Every game, even Bethune-Cookman, like, Jesus, there was st- still wide receivers, like, wide-ass open. Yeah. All, not just one or two plays, too. And I don't remember a single time where they had that here. Didn't seem like it. So, again, you take I, that with, you know, having six sacks. It, it's good on the pressure, but a couple of those were more coverage sacks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think the DBs played awesome. Definitely. It's just, you know, great to see improvement on, on the defense. Uh what else we got? Obarski, first miss of the season from 42. Looked good to me. I watched the replay. It kind of looked like it went above the upright. So I'm going to call it maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a make. good. I don't know. Does it count if it's on the how – how can you tell if it's above the upright? You know what I'm saying? Like the ref? It's I guess tough. it's just ref discretion, just yeah. like any other play. But now he's uh, four out of five on the season, putting him at 80%. So my 90% prediction – Still in play. Just needs five more in a row. Uh, oh, let's talk about the jerseys. What'd you think? You know, it's different from like seeing the pictures they post, like the model in front of the spaceship, and then actually seeing everyone together. The numbers looked really cool, and the border around the name was neat too. What, what'd you think? How'd it look? Yeah, I liked them. I thought there was a ton more detail in the uniforms as well, See, even the helmets. The collar thing I was talking about, it's like spaceship. Yeah. Between that and like the, the constellations, like inside the numbers, yeah, and, and the patches and stuff, really great work there. Yeah, the guys knocked it out like as expected, and it's like I didn't know how they could be. I mean, the first two years were just so sick, and then last year's was cool, but it they kind of were like trying to do a third jersey color, and I don't know, the gray and black was whatever. But they kind of just went, uh, they went like back to the drawing boards and just started from scratch with this whole concept and. You know, they somehow outdid themselves again. So it'll be awesome to see what they do next year. I mean, I think you just kind of run it back, but a black jersey with white numbers or something like that. But at least it's a cool, different concept. It's nice to see us use different numbers. First time we've used different numbers, and I can't even tell you. The numbers we use now are the ones from the old jerseys, but just bigger. So it was definitely neat to see that. All right, so speaking of that, there's been some debate on the internet over the last couple weeks over... Knights versus Citronauts. Certain people, myself included, think it would be a good idea to rebrand the Citronauts. Just a disclaimer, I'm not like actively campaigning for it. I'm just saying I think it would be cool. I have faith in whatever we end up doing or don't doing, if there's even a thing, that we're going to do what's best. Like Our guys are knocking it out of the park. 
content marketing wise. So if we never change, then I know that's best. And if we do change, then I trust them. I don't know. What are your kind of thoughts on it? I'm against it. No. Majorly. I, I mean, yes, it's cool. I, I like the idea. I would like to start, you know, the tradition of the last five years of just having a space game. You know, we bring out the Citronaut thing. Just just one game a year. If you want to do it in other sports too, you know, volleyball, soccer, basketball, same thing. Like, have a, have a space basketball game. Who cares? But we just... I don't know. We can't be we can't be the Citronauts. It's just not. Why not? It's cool. It's unique. Knights is not unique. It's like the opposite of unique. It's a mo- there's like a probably hundreds of high school teams that are called the Knights. If you say Knights, people don't automatically think UCF. Besides UCF people, you know what I'm saying? Like I even Golden Knights was more unique. And also this too. Think of all the free PR we would get. Like Citronites. Or Citronauts. Citronites would be Citronites. cool. Citronites. So someone actually brought this up, like a combination of keeping knights, but like embracing more of the space and stuff instead of like the medieval thing, which I feel like that's the whole reason. Like I think the medieval thing's kind of dumb, but that's who we are as the knights and the Pegasus or whatever. But, you know, Citronites or knights, you know. Knights like the night, like nighttime, similar to like what <laughs> the rays did, devil rays, and now they're just the, the rays, but like, like the they're sun. a ray of sunshine. Yeah. I don't know. We could, you know, we could mix it up, but I don't know. It's not something that has to happen. I just think it would be cool. Just Knights is not unique and generic, and we're known as UCF. People are like, we spent all this time branding Knights. No, we branded our stack logo. Like, that doesn't change. It doesn't go out the window. Yeah. Well, that I agree with. So We don't really use a whole lot of stuff with the Knights. I just, I don't know. UCF having to explain, Knots. Very easy. Having to explain this to my coworkers, they were just like, laugh at me I, I don't know eh, whatever to me that's just my opinion yeah I, I think it's cool it would get rid of the novelty of it if you had it all the time it's like the grass is always greener but then if we did it and we had it all the time then we could have like a night game well so then like what is the pegasus well then we have the pegasus like uh-huh. what other school has two mascots i think a lot of schools Do have, they have like an academic logo i think and a, every school does i don't know about separate mascots but i don't know Anyway. Not for it. All right. Money Moo official Didn't pick. give you too many good reasons why. <laughs> yeah, just don't like it. I just it. don't like it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I like it for the one game. It's cool. Somebody said on Twitter, too, it's like leaving your Christmas lights up all year. Like, yeah, everyone loves Christmas, and Christmas is cool, but, like, it takes away the... I don't know. I have my... coolness factor. My tree was up it all, the time. all of COVID. It was awesome. Yeah, well, you're... Well, there was nothing else to look at. I got my Festivus poll, too. All right, so... Back to football, uh, there were some interesting games this weekend with some conference or UCF kind of related foes. Uh, Cincy almost lost to Navy. That game was close the entire time. Navy was down, scored to go down seven, got the onside kick, and then they just like the guy like could not throw the ball at all. <laughs> he ended. He took a sack on the first play, so then I think they had to spike the ball. I don't know. It was just a mess, but it was cool seeing them in it. You know why? Why did Cincy look so bad? Navy's and so good against us. Navy's really good. How the about one that? seven? Navy is good. Yeah, who's the one? Quality win. See? Yeah, it's I don't know. Terrible. It really shows that Navy is a tough game for anyone. They just do that, and then they'll probably get blown out by like ECU or something next week. You know and what I'm saying? It was at Navy too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was at Navy. Okay. Yeah, well. It's a tough place to play. Dude, so. If you think about it, back in 2013, 
think of how many like terrible teams we played. I I just looking at this, you know, the other day, like the Temple game, they were one and nine <laughs> when we had a miracle comeback against them. One and nine. Dude, we almost lost to USF, who was like two and seven at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I guess just... every t- every good team has one of those games where you just play like crap against a terrible team. Yeah, they just happen. They just happen to if win. If we're Navy's only win of the year. That's not good. Because Army's pretty good too. They just went back and forth. Wake Forest scored like fifty six points and still lost. Cause they gave up seventy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need some Navy wins. Uh let's look at their schedule. They've got well, they could beat no, they can't beat Houston. They already lost to them. Uh at Tulsa, at Notre Dame. They could beat Notre Dame. Loss, loss. ECU Temple Army. I don't know. At Navy's decent. They might win one more game. Shh. <laughs> Other games, Tennessee hung with Bama for a bit of that game. It, it didn't really feel close in the end, but you know, I think they were the first team to be up on Alabama by a touchdown in the first quarter since like 2012 or some crazy stat. SMU pounces Tulane. Houston beat ECU in overtime. Did you see that nine overtime game? Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I don't understand. So they make them go for two-point conversions, and then they count them as twos, which is like really weird for the point total. Why isn't it just... Like touchdowns, but from the two yard line. Like, what? What's the point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was really weird know. seeing that. But uh, nine overtimes, game still hit the under, which is pretty wild. Uh, what a roller coaster to be. I mean, college overtimes is just an overkiller normally. Oh, also, meanwhile to the West, USF beat Temple 34-14, their first FBS win in 728 days in um, front of dozens. Sellout. Crowd of no one. Um, yeah, the pictures from that were bad, but hey, good for them. So they beat Temple by twenty. What are we favored by? Ten. So this is gonna be if we don't beat them by at least close to twenty. This is gonna be a huge transitive property thing that's not gonna well, get squashed until Black we Friday. We're going to Philly. They were at home. I mean, it's gonna probably be home field advantage. Temple doesn't have that at the link. No one goes there. It's like USF. But still, did you check the weather? Um, no. I guess yeah. It's winter time. Um, is weather going to be a factor? High of sixty-three, fifty percent chance of rain. Woof. Noon kickoff too, so it's still going to be kind of like chilly, probably. Well, I guess it's chilly always. I don't know. Wait, I think Cincinnati was like sixty-three, and it felt good. It was cold when there was shade. I don't know. I don't think the weather's going to be a factor. If anything, rain could help us because we're used to rain in Florida or something. Um, yeah, so that game's at noon Saturday. Then the following week, we have Tulane for homecoming. We're breaking out the uh, the old school logo with the state behind the UCF. Oh, love that. Those are awesome. That's my favorite. That's a rebrand I could get behind. That logo is awesome. But again, probably something where if you do it all the time, then it's not as cool. Uh, so that game's at... 4 p.m. Uh, Saturday, the homecoming game, and then we get a bye week. So bye weeks are always good. All right. One thing about Temple is they can't score, only averaging 22 a game. Nice. Well, Memphis was averaging 35. We held them to seven. So at that rate, we should hold Temple to five. Field, Solid. Field goal and a, uh, and a safety. I mean, it should be an easy win. If it's not, then we don't deserve. I don't know. Anything can happen. 
I think we got some momentum going, some confidence. Yeah, if anything, the Memphis game was just a confidence booster for our defense, even our offense too, because you know, we, we know we're, we're scoring can... enough to win still. Exactly. As far as the spread, UCF's minus 10. I have them minus 12 and a half. A little lean? Little, slight lean? Slight lean. Slight lean. Uh, no, it's got to be closer to like 6-7, so I'm not going to give out UCF as a bet this week. You mentioned uh, leaning the under for Memphis on the last show. That Actually, was the over. Oh, never mind. Not a good uh, lean. Not a good one, so don't always <laughs> take the leans. <laughs> don't take the leans. Of course, leans. I didn't know that their quarterback was going to be out either, and yeah. now it's pretty safe to say that even though the offense, I think, is doing a good job, we're not the same offense without Dylan Gabriel. So, and Jay whole, Flash, Jay Flash should Jay be back. Flash, yeah. I'm hearing he's coming back to practice this week. Again, hope they don't rush him back. You know, I don't think we need him. Again, if he's the deciding factor, then it shouldn't really matter anyway, because then we just suck. Uh, so, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll look out for him. All right. So, speaking of Temple, let's do the return of the Fab Five. We're going to do uh, Fab Five. Performances versus Temple for UCF. Moo's got the countdown. All right, number one is going to be... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm wearing one five. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. Number five. <laughs> is this an ordered? Yeah, I'll order Okay, or he's ordered. We're ordered. All right. Number five is going to be Dylan Gabriel, the 2019 game against Temple. Ten completions. Three touchdowns. It's a great touchdown. 30 per, I mean, 30% of his completions were for touchdowns. Didn't really have to do a whole lot that game because there was a lot running behind the ball in my number four pick. Same 2019 game, Otis Anderson, 205 rushing yards. Not a single catch. Pretty interesting, though. One touchdown. Well, that was Josh Heupel. We just didn't throw to running backs. Oh, yeah. I wanted to complain or say something about him real quick. Uh the Bama game, the announcers kept like talking about Tennessee being undisciplined and all this stuff, and I was just I was laughing so hard. <laughs> but all their fans on Twitter were like, "Oh, thank you for Josh Heupel." I'm like, "Sure, yeah. take him." Like, this might be the first cordial breakup I've ever seen in college football, where both sides are happy. We're happy. Yeah. He's happy. Normally, there's like animosity, but anyway. All right, back to the list. All right, number three, going all the way back to 2018 game, Greg McRae with one of his top rushing performances in his career, 188 yards and a touchdown. Performance number two goes to Mackenzie Milton, 2017 game, four passing touchdowns and including a rushing touchdown. But Man. by far, the number one performance in our Fab Five Temple performances of all time has to go to UCF wide receiver J.J. Wharton. The 2016 game, he had 10 catches, 179 yards, and three touchdowns. That was the catch game. That was the catch game. That was the cardiac night season that we just talked about. Temple was not that good. One and nine. Bortles, I mean, that pass was just nuts. I mean, he got absolutely drilled, threw it up. I remember at the time, I'm like, oh, he just threw it out of the back of the end zone. And then out of nowhere, the scoop. I remember the. I can still picture it like it was yesterday. The camera guy like flipping over, even though he didn't have to. Probably missed like the most epic photo of his career, probably by doing that. Now um, everyone remembers that catch, but it wasn't a game-winning catch. It was only the game-tying catch. The well, game-winning kick, yeah, came from Stephen Moffat. Sean Moffat. Sean Moffat. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Stephen Moffat was the quarterback. Of yeah. Like 0506. Um, 
I think it was like a 40-some yarder. Yeah. Anyway, carried, carried him off, him the, off field. the field oh, in man. front of dozens. God, I can't believe that was eight years ago. <laughs> all right. So anyway, quick little Fab Five down memory lane at all the fun performances of beating up on Temple. Hopefully we have something to add to it this week. All right, so if let's make a like a bold prediction. Uh, who do you think would have a performance that could possibly crack into that Fab Five this week for UCF? I'm going to say Bowser. Dude, thinking about it, with rain in the forecast and gusts. Bowser like, weather. Dude, going back to his week one of, hey, maybe I should just pound Bowser up the middle. <laughs> I'm okay with this. You know, six yards every play feels that's, good. That's winning. That's a winning game plan right you there. You know, I do have one gripe, though. We forgot to talk about this um, with the Memphis game. Grievances. What is up with this stupid like pre-snap thing where Bowser lines up as a wide receiver. It was literally like every play. And then motions into the backfield? Yeah. So It they, makes no sense. So I'm pretty sure they do the motions to it helps you uh by watching how they react to that. It helps the quarterback yeah, but figure they didn't out the move. All, all they did was like get a little all the linebackers like took one step <laughs> up when he went to the backfield. All right, so they it must and be in zone. They must be in zone. I don't I, know. I couldn't I couldn't remember a single time where they did anything. Did that motion and then passed the ball. Oh. So I'm like it made no sense. Like hmm. Gus, you aren't fooling anybody. We need squints to chart that. I do remember from the practice I watched that every set we ran, we were either like five receivers or like four in a tight end, but no running backs. And then we would line up with whoever was running back would motion into the backfield. So I remember seeing that a lot. I don't know what it is. Look, just trust Gus. Does nothing. It probably does something. Maybe we're just setting him up for, I don't know. Let's uh, go back to the play. I, I, I have to go back to this, back to okay. the play calling. How many jet sweeps are they're good? okay to as, call in a game? As, as long as we're winning and they're doing stuff. They don't always work, but when they, I mean, you saw that one touchdown was awesome. That was a jet sweep, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. And he had that it's big. too much of the same. He had that big play against Navy off a similar one. You know, it doesn't always work, but just got, you know, maybe Mikey doesn't trust him or something to get O'Keefe the ball in space. The easiest way to do it is just hand it to him directly. He, he did have that drop. That's, I think. Was that him? I don't remember. I feel like we have one bad drop. That like, that is very true. You know, I didn't think about that as a to get him the ball in space, but you don't want to give him the ball like five yards behind the line either. If the blocking's good, he's he's automatically in space. But there was that time we ran the, like a bubble screen or something to him, and he got absolutely drilled. I don't know how he held on to that. You remember the play I'm talking about? Yeah. That was not good. So if you hmm, prefer, we can do it that predictable. way. predictable? Yeah, I don't know. You know, Josh Heupel loves those things. Um, yeah, all right. So if I had to predict someone, I would say Mikey Keene. Finally has his coming out party that I've been talking about. Maybe three touchdowns, 270 yards, you know, maybe like 20 or 27, nothing just crazy. Just let him throw it. Maybe all the plays are like deep shots, and he just like doesn't think they're open. I mean, we saw what happened on that one. He threw in like triple coverage. It was intercepted, which was fine. It was just, honestly, it was just like a punt, so it worked out good. Yeah. But just get open. How come everyone's open? DG throw throwing at people like a mile wide yeah, open. I don't know. We'll we'll see. You know, our receivers are good. Yeah. Hopefully we have J Flash back. That'll definitely help him out. You know, need need all the weapons around a rookie quarterback or a freshman quarterback. All right, it's time for our favorite segment: Money Moves <laughs> Picks of the Week. 
1-0 last week, undefeated. Virginia over Georgia Tech, minus 7, nail-biter at the end. So they're down 13 nothing. <laughs> Woof. Uh, then Virginia like rattles off 30-something in a row. So then you're like, oh, I'm good. Dude, we're up 48-27 with a minute 30 left. Okay, and so somehow, up 21 with a minute 30. Somehow, some way. They score. And then they score again. And so, then try and go for two. It's 48-40. <laughs> so if they got the two, would've they would have lost by six. Yeah. That would be an all-time bad beat. Down all 20, time. 21 with a minute 30 left and somehow covering a seven-point spread. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Didn't happen. So, so anyway, awesome. Virginia. You know, my keys to the game were Georgia Tech can't score, drops 40. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, garbage time. I did get it right. You know, their, their Virginia quarterback, I said, finally was getting it together. I think he had like four touchdowns. I think he's number one ranked uh, quarterback in like passer rating in the nation right now. Wins a win. Yeah. So it takes me one step closer to five hundred. We're All six, right. seven, and one on the year. All right, kind of like UCF, mediocre. We're <laughs> we're coming, but we're coming back. But we're though. coming back. We're off a losing streak, mediocre, and we're coming back. We're coming back. The, coming back. The light at the end of the tunnel looks good. It does. All right, so I got two picks for you this week. First, I just want to reiterate that we're not going to take UCF this week. Look, if Dylan... we. (laughs) Me. I'm telling you not to. What if Dylan's announced, like, tomorrow he's back? Just hammer it? I would add... Okay, good question. If Dylan was announced back, I would add six. Making the... Making my projected line 18. So that would be... A money move pick. A money move pick. However, if that happens, usually the lines adjust... Yeah. Um, got to have fast fingers. You got to have very fast fingers. Yeah, so. I remember when I found out about Memphis, I was stuck in traffic driving up, and I was, like, f- scrambling to try and bet. And then, of course, my phone didn't have service. And then you called me, and, like, the blues. I was just having a technology fit. And I ended up getting some in, but the line had already moved. Not that it mattered anyway. Uh, but, yeah, got to be quick when those uh, injury things happen. So Dylan, in my mind, worth seven. However, first game back, don't know if he's 100%. So I'd add six. Another key point to the offense Jalen Robinson I would say is probably worth like one and a half two so just keep that in mind keep your notifications on yeah uh, check the in case any of these injury updates come up but could be you, big you have the numbers here you know I say it should be 12 and a half spreads 10 if it floats you know down and you get a lot of action on temple for whatever reason it, it would it would have to flow down closer to like six for me to give you the the uh, the, f- the money move blessing the blessing. All so right. Anyway, so what do we got this week? We're gonna take Iowa State minus seven at West Virginia. Look, Brocktober still lives for at least one more week. Brock Purdy, I believe, is undefeated in his career in October. Has a terrible record, and like all of his losses are in September. It's weird. Um, huh, so you so just anyway, got to get going. Brock Purdy, running back Brees Hall, scoot on into Morgantown. Battle of future UCF conference foes. Something to keep here, an eye by on, the way. Yeah. So, nice little Big 12 matchup. Classic Iowa State, West Virginia. West Virginia, not too good. Uh, even though they are at home, Iowa State, eh, on the road. These two teams aren't anywhere near you know the same talent-wise. We're going to give the edge to Iowa State. So we're going to take Iowa State and the Cyclones, minus seven. A lot of yellow 
in that game. Or wait, no. Yeah. Yeah, red, yellow, blue, yellow. Blue, yellow yeah, a lot of yellow. All right, what's your second pick? That's well, expert analysis <laughs> from you. Next pick, we're going to go with Purdue, the Boilermakers, plus 7.5 at Nebraska. Look, Nebraska, 3-5. and five. This is basically nailing the coffin for Frost. <laughs> if they're going to miss a bowl again, Purdue may have used up all their energy to beat Iowa a few weeks ago, but they're still good enough to keep it within a score, maybe even the money line. Money line, moo. Purdue plus seven and a half at Nebraska. All right, so let's recap real quick. Iowa State minus seven and Purdue plus seven and a half. Let's get get that that money. money. Last up, we've got Moo's Mailbag where we answer all of your questions. Thank you guys as always for submitting. While we've got you here, please subscribe, rate, and review. Okay, first question from MD Knight 2016. Does DG come back before SMU? UCF versus SMU could be for a spot in the championship game, conference championship game. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you kind of laid out a, a scenario where it seems pretty fitting for him to come back at the game. Timing's good. Still a outside shot at making a conference championship. Still needs the ever so important experience coming into you know his third season. And uh, I, I think he could help us out. Yeah, I, you know... To answer the question, I don't know if he's healthy. He will, but I think the timing, I think the timeline's there. Uh, so we'll see. But if he doesn't come back, it's because he can't. And there's nothing we can do about that. So, you know, it is what it is. I hope he is, or maybe we just, you know, beat him with Mikey. Quarterback controversy. Next question is from Colby Keating. Could you do a segment going over a few of the key recruits Gus has been acquiring? Uh, so I don't know if you saw today. We got those twins from Seminole. That boosted us up, depending on the rankings you look at, to like number 35 in the country, which I think would be our highest or like second highest ever. So that's good. Um, I don't really know. It's tough to talk about recruits. Like, I think highlight tapes are stupid. Everyone has a good one. You don't know who they're playing or like the level of competition, so it's tough to tell. But looks like we got some pretty talented guys. We got that running back too. And I know our quarterback, uh, our top quarterback commit, Thomas uh, Castellanos, I don't know if I said that right. He was at the game, but I guess Georgia's like trying to poach him now. So that's good. If Georgia's going after him, that means he's like freaking legit. So yeah, for sure. We need to, you know, show him some love on on Twitter. He's been supporting us. He uh when the twins when Gus tweeted about the twins or like the official account had the Shaquem Shaquille gif, he said like, Oh, looks like we got something. So I like I like his usage of the pronoun there, we embracing UCF, not saying, oh, UCF got some recruits. Um, yeah, so yeah, that running back guy, you mean to be referred to Jordan McDonald, the yeah. Georgia running back. 6'1", 220. I like the style of running back, yeah. clearly. It's a Bowser. Um, it could be another Bowser. What's his name again? Jordan McDonald. All right. A huge nickname possibilities oh, there. Yes. Old McDonald. Sausage, egg, and cheese. Make running back. I, I don't know. That wasn't good. <laughs> That's uh, good. <laughs> give me some time to think, and I'll, yeah. I'll have one. Uh, Mick. Anyway, he had a huge amount of interest. Basically, everyone. Everyone. Did have a Tennessee going after him, too, so that's good. Hypo. Not really going after USF. We're in, like, a different zone now. Like, yeah. The, it used to be, like, people would be 
picking between UCF and USF. I think they're battling for recruits with like FAU or something now. Yeah, probably. That's their new rival. And Not sure. Is, people are, are asking though. Yeah, people are saying that. That's that's the word on the street is that we've uh, we've moved moved up in uh, in recruiting. It's so dead. the yeah. But I was gonna say the other two we talked about um, were those two twins, the Henderson twins, Jakari and Daryl. No. I think his name is Dakari. No, it's it, it rhymes with it. Yeah, one's a safety, one's a cornerback from Seminole. Gabe Davis, Jordan Davis, alma mater. Yeah, so hometown good on talent. good on Gus and the crew, like not letting the local hometown talent like go away. Like, yeah, everyone comes to Florida to find talent. Why would we go anywhere else? Like, seems like a waste of time. They probably just wanted to like I don't know go. Sp- Travel and sp- the yeah, hypos people want to travel and spend their per diem at freaking <laughs> Applebee's or whatever on the road. Uh, no, definitely great to see us keeping the the talent in Orlando. All right, next question is from Bobby K. Malzahn in the post game said we need to take more shots downfield. Are the options there and Mikey isn't hitting them? Or are we missing J Flus that much? Confusing comment given he calls the plays. Thoughts on this? I guess it's sort of similar to where, you know, if you're it's like your yearly job review. It's like, oh, you know you need to be doing better, but are you? Like, even <laughs> though you're in control of how you do. Mm-hmm. Or or it could be for, like, grades. Okay, we ended the first semester and we got a B. It's like telling your parents, like, oh, I really need to study harder to get an A in the second half. Just do it. So all we got to do is do it. Yeah. Yeah, actually. That's what I think it is like. Actions speak louder than words, I guess. You know, again, we talk about this every show. I don't know if it's they're being called and it's just not there. You know, they're just double teaming the deep or whatever, and we've got to do the check. No, no one knows, but he could be scared too. He like could be not scared. trusting Keen. That or think about that. Maybe you're like, if I didn't trust Keen, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I know, I need to take more deep shots. Huh? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> A- anything could be possible. We then don't. Then he know. takes the more deep shots, and you're like, oh, friggin' Gus, man. It- that's what I'm saying. I'm throwing all these picks. So you know what? Like I think you know, like you said earlier, just run the ball. Opens everything up. Hey, I'm telling you, just right when I ball. right when I gave the money move game plan, run yeah. the freaking ball and take deep shots. All of a sudden, we're a yeah. new team. We are a new team. Nice move little, for coach. Nice, Twenty thirty. Nice little win streak going. All right, this next one is from Miko Frico. Wonder if this guy's related to Nico K Rico. Gus decides to hire the. Future offensive coordinator of college football. Who is it? Uh, Jeff Scott. <laughs> I don't know. Talking about USF head coach yeah. Jeff Scott. He's an offensive guru. Terrible. I don't know. I mean, they're good at Clemson, but look at Clemson now. Falling apart without him. Timing's not quite there, but whatever. Sort of. Um, I don't know if we're like... Like, I feel like any good up-and-coming coordinator is prime for like a head coaching yeah. job. He's just getting... Now, if we get a good one, he'll be here for a year. Like, he's going to do good. Nowadays, like, the promotions and how you get, if you look at some of the coaches that are are high up, they're considered the up-and-comers, they were like a grad assistant like three years ago. You just get so hot so fast. You do. It's not like the old school days where you just had to, like, put your time in everywhere. Like, if you're good, you're going to get snatched up, like, quarterback, coach, coordinator, boom, head coach. You might not be ready for it, but... You know, it, it just it happens fast. I honestly don't know. Uh, do we have an OC? We don't really. 
I think someone like has the title, but no, Gus calls I the plays. I think GJ Kinney is like co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Yeah, but I mean, what does it matter though? Like Gus is never going to give up play calling. He hated doing that at Auburn, but like the fans would call for his head, so he's like, "All right, I'm giving it up." But that's like his thing. Would that change here? No, it's not changing. It's Gus's thing. Is the offense? I wouldn't want him to. I don't know. All right. Next question, Jonathan Sturdivant. Oh. Memphis fan that I've talked to on Twitter for a long time. Finally met him at the games. Shout out, Jonathan. Thanks for listening and also uh, submitting a question. What is your concern on the offense and defense for the rest of the season? Again, good luck to the UCF Knights. Fun meeting you. Thanks, dude. You too. Yeah, hey, I mean, we're going conference-wide now. Look at us. Over yeah. here. Um, but, yeah, to, an- to answer your question, dude, I-, I think my biggest concern on the defense, again, will always be the mobile quarterback, no matter what. If it's if it's somebody you heard of or you never heard of, I, I can't understand why, for whatever reason, Memphis didn't use Peter Parrish to run the ball more. Even a design run, a scramble, nothing. He just looked like he was trying to do way too much. Yeah, I don't know. Ended up with the six sacks, you know, the picks. It, it it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And, you know, Memphis has a new coach to try and, like, I don't know where he came from, but he seemed like Memphis is the type of school that, you know, Norvell came from. So they're going to hire somebody, you know, that's hot, up and coming. Offensive guy. You know. But anyway, so I'd say that's my biggest concern for the defense. Biggest concern for the offense I hate, I hate to say it, but it's Keen. Yeah. Is Keen still the biggest question mark of yeah. the offense? I think it's yes. Now, it's is not- it is it his fault? No. He he was thrown into a situation that was less than stellar yeah. that he wasn't prepared for, mm-hmm. that you really shouldn't be prepared for it if you're behind Dylan Gabriel. But for him to come in as a freshman, you know, making the best of a situation it's tough and and yeah he he's gonna be a question mark until he proves himself that's no dig on on no. him gus or or whoever he's got to come out and and show us that he's the man yeah and even you know i'm sure he'll have eventually he's gonna have a great game and then he'll probably have a not great game like we went through that with Mackenzie milton's first year so you know growing pains the one thing i would say about mikey is i have not seen there have been no like facepalm moments where it's just like, "Don't, what are you doing?" Yeah, I mean, there's no Wentz. Wentz I was just, being I was Wentz. just gonna say Carson Wentz had like four in his first two pass attempts last and night. And he's not a rookie. Yeah, he's experienced. I mean, he hit the guy in the face on that one play. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will for sure give him that. There's been not not even close. That's I can huge. Think. Yeah. Like I said, you know, the button jamming. Like you freak out and you just hit all the buttons and you don't know what's gonna happen. We haven't seen that. So definitely, you know. His composure and everything is definitely a big takeaway from from what I've watched. You know, we just need him to not lose us the game, at least against these opponents that we've been playing. So, Next question is from Jay Cox, 9892. Aside from the Cincy game, what do you see that gives encouragement to upset SMU in a few weeks? Bowser running the ball well. Uh, The defense getting after the quarterback, forcing turnovers. O'Keefe's speed and time. Time is on our side. I think we're going to be, hopefully, knock on wood, close to fully healthy by that game. So I, I think those are those are the main things uh, I'm looking for. You know, and like you always say, 
Got to just run the ball. And if Dylan's back, I mean, the Bowser plus Dylan skills throwing the ball, it's just unstoppable. Like, we're going to hammer it, and then we decide to throw. They're going to be, you know, creeping up. It's just, you know, we can beat SMU with DJ. You can't stop it. Next question from Corey Esquinazzi, PhD, at Corey Esk underscore PhD. Do you think he's a PhD? <laughs> People are asking. <laughs> Couldn't tell. No, he just got his PhD, and we were fraternity brothers with him. So uh, congrats to that, Corey. Um, anyway, question. Was this a turning point for the defense or just the result of facing a quarterback who has not played before? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, the turning point for the defense is – one, I think, for the secondary, Brandon Adams really stepping up. Mm-hmm. Number two. Thornton played well, too, by the way. And Justin Hodges. A- everyone played well. You know, you're right. Uh, everyone played well. Usually, I, I want to say this nicely, but like every time some guy was wide open, and again, we don't know the coverage, if it's zone or whatever, it always felt like it was 14 or 12, like chasing after him. And these guys were in on the plays this time. So definitely definitely something good to look uh forward to mega confidence boost you know the other thing unfortunately kd going down horrible injury for uh out for the rest of the season but i feel like the line really stepped up getting a lot of pressure and kind of came together big cat best game of the season yep two uh, sacks another hurry he had one kind of where he almost got the guy, but he forced him out of bounds short of the stick. So that doesn't st- show up on the stat sheet, but that was a good play. Seliscar and Cam Good also having a good <laughs> game. It's goody, according to the <laughs> Navy announcer. But yeah, no, good question. And I, I think you nailed the answer. It's a little bit of both. Defense is starting to find their way, especially the DBs. And, you know, an inexperienced quarterback doesn't hurt. But I think... I mean, I, I don't know, but I think we still win that game and play very similar with their starting quarterback being in. Like, this guy is a dual threat. I, I don't know. I didn't see him, like, missing open throws, really. He just – guys weren't really open. I don't know. It's tough to say, but we, we play good overall. We stop the run, force him to throw. That's the recipe The tackling to was improved. Yeah. Too. I forgot to mention that because they did try to get the ball to their playmaker, Calvin Austin, a lot. Sort of bottled him up. And the tackling has been an issue, yeah. not just this year. No, nope, seems to always be an issue. Tackling for us. and penalties. We did have, I think, ten penalties, but whatever. Also, a lot of missed calls. There was one like very egregious holding call where Gus like lost his mind. I don't know if they showed that on TV, but it was right there, and the guy clearly had him, and it like completely affected the play, and they just didn't call it. And then we got an interception two plays later, so everyone was like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. We were booing hard, though, in the stands. Who's more animated on the sidelines, Gus or Terry? <laughs> They're going to say Gus or Hypo is a joke. <laughs> Hypo, you can't ever, you can't even tell if we're winning or not by looking yeah. at him. I don't know, man. Terry's got some good gifts floating around. Oh, they're similar, man. They're very complimentary. I like it. I like it. All right, this next one is from Nightfan Adam. Fab Five Space Unis. Ooh, good question. Uh, all right, so... Without any preparation, 5, 2017, where we just had a patch on a black jersey. Fours, the gray ones from last year. I appreciate the detail, but I didn't like the black with the gray. Three has got to be the white ones from 2019. Even though those were cool, the black ones, they were just a white version of the black one, which was the original. So got to give the tie to the original, which would be my number two. The first original space uniform, which just wasn't a patch. That was 2018. 
and number one's this week's. Oh, Although, well, if there's five space games, it couldn't have been 2018. How? 21, 19, 20, 18, 17. 17 was oh, the patch year. 17 was, okay. Yeah. 17 was the patch year. 18 was black. 19 was the white. I remember because I can just picture Dylan in that awesome white uniform. So what was your favorite one? This, this, this year's? Yeah, this year's my favorite. I kind of have to agree. They yeah. just went like over the top with the details. It but not cool. like trying too hard. You know, you can see like sometimes Oregon has jerseys where you're just like, although I like the spatter ones they had this week, but sometimes it's just like, what are you doing with like crazy reflective stuff? And like, who was it? Michigan State that had a really weird one where the numbers were like three times as big as they should have been. I don't know. Look it up. You can Google it. There was some one that was just awful where. Well, what do I Google? Michigan State big yeah, numbers? Yeah, look, I'll do it right now. <laughs> Michigan State awful. And it had like lime green. Awful uniform. If you're listening right now, do it. Oh, no, the state was huge. Look. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Oh, yeah, that, that no. The words, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could have been good. Actually, they're using the same numbers as us in that, too. Anyway. Yeah, so what your, your favorite was this year's, too? I feel like it's a no-brainer. Recency yeah. bias might be in play, but whatever. For sure, whatever. 5-0 and oh all time in space games. Undefeated. Got to keep it going. All right, last couple questions. This is from UCF Knights with some underscores in there, not the official account. When will we finally turn a corner for merch? Plenty of us out here that were unable to snag a space jersey who got their shirt or patch orders canceled. Is Night Nation large or committed enough to warrant better inventory? Is it just a COVID issue? We are definitely the utmost authority on this topic, by the I, way. Yeah, working. <laughs> well, working for a beer company, it, it's it's very tough. I don't know. This whole supply chain thing is actually like very real, and uh, really makes you think of like all the things that you go to the grocery store or any store for that matter. Like they don't just randomly appear when you go there. Like so many different. Hands touch the beer that gets to you know your racetracks or and all the publics or whatever the metal and the packaging yeah. and the everything. so I would say it, it's probably mostly supply chain issues. It's also too if I was UCF, I I wouldn't want to put like even though I know UCF loves money, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't really want to put a million space jerseys out there. It makes them cool and more collectible if, if exactly. there's kind of a limited edition. Yeah. Exactly. On them. If you really want one, you'll figure out how to get one. I like that. You don't you don't want to go, like, if anyone could just buy them, then everyone would have them. And it doesn't make it cool, and you're not going to appreciate it when you finally get one. Yeah. The, it, especially, too, uh, you don't want to put a million of these space jerseys out there because then you're never going to want the next year's one. That, too. And one it other thing. It keeps the demand high. One other thing, too, I do know there are definite supply chain issues because, like, normally we have, like, a couple kind of custom UCF polos that come out from Nike. This year, they just took one that you can buy blank and they sewed on UCF, which is fine. But normally we have ones where you can't buy them blank. So we're they're just like, you know, trying to put anything out for us. But, you know, it's the same thing with the helmets. They can't even sell the space helmets because we don't have any more helmets because we can't get them. So. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Didn't I read that some article that like, we could they Nike couldn't even provide enough uniforms for our student athletes. Something like I think we're like buying blank stuff and like keep pressing. I'm not really sure, but also I think we have to stick with Nike, I guess, for like an extra year because 
we can't switch to Adidas and like that's a crap ton of gear. Like it's not just one year's worth of stuff. You got to redo everything. And I guess it's just not possible with the supply issues right now. But you know what? There are worse problems to have as a uh, college football fan, I guess. Anything else? Uh, Yeah, got a quick little tidbit from Night Griller 24. Spencer Rattler said to have UCF in his top three transfer spots. Hmm. So now the former starting Oklahoma quarterback. We got DG. He was replaced midseason. Had a ton of hype. No pun intended. (laughs) Uh, Over over the offseason, you know, with with this huge NIL deal. Yeah, Yeah, I would think, like, if Dylan was, you know, probably graduating or he didn't get injured and, like, possibly going to the NFL, I could see how he could have UCF in his top three. For me, I would like, you know, for him, I think going to, like, Cincinnati or maybe, like, Iowa State or somebody with, like, a... A good senior quarterback who really doesn't have anybody like ready behind him. Yeah, I don't know. That's where I would go. I'm looking through Twitter, and the only stuff I see regarding Spencer Rattler and UCF is from that Big Game Boomer account that puts out a million stupid lists. You know what I'm talking about? Like top 50 student sections of the week, like all that. That guy doesn't know anything. He just makes stuff up for retweets. (laughs) Nothing against it. He does a good job. Puts out a lot of content, but I don't think... There's actually like a top three or anything like that. And we probably won't even know until uh, later in the season. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's see what we got here. Mac Ottermilk having a kid. I don't know if you saw that on social media. It's pretty awesome. Him and Maddie Wright, Dylan Barnes, some of the uh, former specialists were all in attendance at the game, the Memphis game Friday night. That was cool. I heard, uh, I heard him play Ice Ice Baby. And then in one of those, Moo, I love. I know you love the timeout. Like, <laughs> yo, that's sick. <laughs> Moo just showed me the picture of the twins and Gus doing like a Hail Mary pose or something. Um, I know you love the timeout contests on the field during the games. Mac punted for one of them to like the guy. I don't know what the contest was. I think he just had to like catch punts or something. Oh, but, nice. Yeah, but they had Mac do the love punts, that. which was cool. Yeah. So it's good to see them all back. And again, congrats to him on, uh, you know, having a baby soon. Uh, our usual weekly, you probably sold two other houses and played golf. And <laughs> I haven't golfed. I don't think I've sold anything in maybe a week. Yeah, no sales this last week. Got a lot of closings coming up. You golfed apparently. Getting better. I golfed. Getting better. Uh, better definitely best round. Of, best round of my life. Getting close to breaking nine or breaking a hundred. Yeah, you never know. One of these days. Hey, double double bogey golf is solid when yeah. you're when you're a beginner. It's it's tough. And then you, you start doing that thing where you look at your score and you're like, oh, if I just didn't have these six penalties, then I'd be like in the 90s. But yeah, that's part of golf. I don't know. My epiphany was like, if you get a five on every hole, it's a 90. Yeah, bogey golf. Well, I mean, yeah. there, there's some par threes in there. But then there's fives. So yeah. if you just get a plus one, bogey golf, 90. Yeah. And that's easy. Just like. Is it? Just don't shank the ball at all. And it's really easy to no get a problem. bogey. <laughs> no shanks, no, no waters. Hop. No tops, Lose no missed four foot putts. You did. Twice. Did anyone uh, miss the ball at all? Out of the four of you, we were all of us did that the last time uh, we played. I actually did twice <laughs> on the same shot. So I I thought I hit it in the bunker, but I, it actually 
somehow like didn't roll into the bunker, but this course that we were playing had like really, really thick grass, like around the edge Ooh, of the tough. sand. And it was in there. And I took a swing, completely missed, ball didn't move. So then yeah. I took another swing, completely missed again, ball didn't move. Did you at least cut some of the grass? Give no. a haircut? Nope. And one person in our group was like, dude, are you swinging? I think <laughs> right now, you're swinging. Practice. I'm like, bro, no, this is a practice. He's like, nah, <laughs> that definitely looked like a swing. However, if you don't touch the ball, not no. a stroke. I think it counts if you're lined How? up on it. There's, you're I like know. always lined up on it. Even no. if you take a practice swing, you're still no. And then you step up after the practice swing. Like you start with your club next to the area you're going to hit, like on top of it. Yeah, but sometimes I do that and then just like move the club back a little bit. I don't know. I'm just telling. you. I was at a very weird angle. It should be too. a stroke. I had like one foot in the sand, one foot. That's up one on. where you ask your people who are there, like, "Hey, like, didn't hit it." Yeah, or that. <laughs> um, but yeah, off balance, I mean, that happens. So uh, that was like me trying to hit it out of the trees in Orlando that one time. I was like, yo, record. And oh, I yeah. just whiffed and, and like fell like over. <laughs> Money um, move, baby watch. Still no baby yet. Final countdown though, right? Yeah, it's getting down in like three weeks away. Ninth inning. Oh, I'm going to do the podcast from like the hospital or something. Like. Hospital cast. <sighs> I don't know, it's man. Starting to set in. It's starting to set in. I just get the nursery. Done. Oh, everything's done. This is like the. I kind of reminds me of like when you plan a vacation, like you book the room, like you get everything packed, like you have an itinerary, you know what you're gonna do, and then like your flight gets canceled or something, and you're like waiting for. You're just waiting. In def- yeah, because you don't have like a departure time yeah. right now. You just know there's so it's this like we got trip. everything. Like normally, you just get everything done and then baby comes. Like now we have everything done. And it's just like okay, now there's literally nothing to do. Just wait. But just wait. Go shopping. <laughs> a little shopping. Oh, do some shopping. Some shopping. Shopping and golf, I guess. That's about it. Hey, you're gonna have a nice little vacation coming up, ish. With it's sort of well. I mean, I'm taking time off of work, but it's a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of lost sleep, from what I hear. Yeah, a lot of time to watch TV, though. <laughs> you know. Hey, Dang. maybe my picks will get even better because I'll be like deep, dialed in, really deep diving, yeah. diving into the numbers. These. Yeah, big stats guy. Not that I haven't already. Got to get into the analytics. Analytics, moo. The next squints, possibly. People are saying. So yeah, if you're going to Temple, enjoy Philly's very cool city, city of. Brotherly, Brotherly love? love. Yeah. Big, Check out Philly cheesesteaks. Big Ben. Oh, uh, dude. We went to like seven different Philly cheesesteak places and just like split one. Are they that each. big? Some are a little bigger than others. What's it? Pete's? Pat's? Gino's? Am I? I think. I can't even. No, John's. John's. I think John's is where we had the best one. I, th- I think Pete's. Pat's Pat. was like the touristy. Oh, like spot. the McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't bad, but... I, you know they use Cheese Whiz? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I think John's was the best one. All right. But it was, it was also like we had a roast pork sandwich. Not a real that, that's a Philly. Thing. Well, Philly, you know. go to, If you really want to eat like as an experience, go to like Reading Terminal Market. That's where they have like a billion... It's like, a, it's like, a, it's like the biggest freaking food court you've ever seen but it's all like local and really good stuff they kind of had one of those in louisville that a bunch of us ate oh at. really I can't remember, something yeah. market yeah it was right 
Well, they have a couple bars like inside, so you know everybody could pick. It's sort of like a food truck park, but like inside. I don't know. Nice. I spent a lot. We spent a while there. It's BYOB too in Philly, so like you bring your whole bottle of wine to a dinner and interesting. I like that. Yeah. I wonder why. I don't know. Huh. Well, that's that was about it. We'll help from Philly. Go yeah. to the zoo. They have a nice zoo. It's always sunny. <laughs> Is there a Eagles game or anything the day after? I don't Maybe think fly- so. Little Flyers action. Sixers. The little Ben Simmons. Eagles play at Detroit. That should be boring. I know there's a bu- like a bus of people coming down, like the New York alumni chapter, and a bunch of people are dressing up as like Gus for Halloween. Because hey. Halloween, well, oh, yeah. night before. Are you doing anything for Halloween? Eh, probably not. I feel like there's some possibilities with like the pregnant wife. To like make that <laughs> like a costume, you can put the what? It should be like a basketball. No, or so, I don't know. <laughs> we haven't thought about it. I don't know. She's very tired. She just wants us to be over with. <laughs> yeah, that's like me recording this podcast right now. So yeah, me too. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. See you guys on TV at Temple, or I know I won't be at homecoming. I got a bachelor party that weekend, so I'll be out. No UCF games for me till SMU, possibly. But yeah, thanks for listening, and go Knights. Charge on. Domination. Domination.